Welcome back to the Strong Family Project Podcast. I'm Joe, joined by Mel. Hi. <laughs> Can we start again? Do your thing. <laughs> no. Welcome back to the Strong Family Project Podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. Way to power through, <laughs> Mal, because we are on a short episode, and we, it's, we're recording on a Saturday, and we have a long list of things to do with the family. We already did a track workout together. I have a family member that's getting married. I had to go to men's warehouse and get all measured up, which was a great time. I love dealing with getting poked and prodded out on a Saturday with busy stores. The best part was the kids trying on the fedoras. <laughs> They've never the been kids, in a fancy thank, store before. <laughs> thank goodness the kids were there to light, lighten everything. And so to, to get on with the day, but also provide you with some amazing value in your day, we have a short episode, our 10-minute Tuesday, which is on teaching kids anything. If you want the kids or anyone to learn something, I'm going to give you a formula today that can really help you out. So we're going to dive right into it. And Mel and everyone listening, this is the classic formula. Like, how do I get my kids to uh, cook for themselves? How do I get my kids to prepare for school themselves? How do I get my kids to go to do this thing, to to mow the lawn, to, I forget. One was, we had a question, I have my question list in front of me still. How do I get my kids to, to clean the litter box? So here it is. They watch you do, you watch them do, they do independently. That's the three-step processes of teaching something. I, I have my master's in education. I've read all these complicated educational philosophies that, that really overcomplicate things. But that is really what they all boil down to. And yes, there are different learning styles. And yes, based on the complexity of the task, those phases may take longer. So if they're looking to scramble eggs to make Mel nervous kids around them. I was just thinking about the egg cracking thing. <laughs> To get like they watch you do, and they watch you do a few times. They'll probably have some questions. You solicit some questions from them. Then you say, "Okay, now you're going to crack this egg, and I'll do the rest of the eggs." And you kind of do do it with them, and watch them do it. And then you take a step back, a little further away, but you're still in the room, and you watch them do it independently. And you do that for a little while, and then you can remove yourself from the room, and they can do it fully independently. I, this is the example I just thought of. Was we have a bunch of peaches. And usually the boys will ask me to cut their fruit. But more recently, I'd say in about last month or so, they've been wanting to do it on their own more, especially the older two. And they watch, so they watched me do it. I showed them my technique. And of course, there's other ways of doing it. But today, Henry used to try cutting like away from his hand. And I do it in this way where I carefully cut towards my hand. And he finally figured it out. He's that way that you cut the peach, where you cut it towards your hand. It's so much easier. <laughs> So sometimes it's not as simple as they watch you once, you watch them once, and but it's like almost they continually watch or they pick things up over time, but it's like them wanting to learn something and then being able to watch. And today, it was like a little mini celebration that he put that all together and now he's got that confidence, like he's got it mastered. He could do it now. There's some uh, subtle underlying powerful aspect to this, which is sometimes you feel like you just want to do it to get it done faster which happens like the days are busy. Like today's a very busy day for us. And instead of saying, hey, why don't you watch me do it this time and then you can do it independent and then you can do it next time. We kind of push them aside. No, I, just let me do it this time. And this starts to affect their self-confidence. Now you have the language to say, hey, this is step one of the learning process. So you're gonna watch me do it a couple of times. 
And then I'm going to watch you do it a couple of times and then you can do it independently. So it's not giving what they want. Like, all right, just go for it. And then like they spill something. See, I told you, you should let me do it. <laughs> like that communication style leads to friction and lowers everyone's self-confidence, kids and yours. And so you just, sometimes when you're busy, you can patiently say the language that they now understand if you explain this process to them, which is, hey, you're going to watch me this first time. Then I'm going to let you do it. And then after a while, like, let me do it. Let me do it. This first time, one or two times, you got to watch me. And they, once you establish that precedent, then they'll understand it. Then you could watch and guide them versus having that friction of, oh, fine, just do it. And then they don't even feel good about doing it because you say it with that tone. Yeah, I, I love that because I like that we set the expectation. So this might not be the appropriate time for you to do it, but you will have your chance to do it. And this reminds me, there's this Berenstein Bears book where the dad is teaching the like the boy bear to ride a bike. And it's like the dad has to go through all these rules and he does them all wrong and it's always that's what not to do. And But the little bear keeps saying, when do I get my turn? When's my turn? When's my turn? So I think it's important to set that precedent. The turn will come and here's when it will come so that they know that it will come. And sometimes you do teach them by teaching them what not to do. But I just love that idea of the parent showing it and then you will have your chance to do it and then you can do it all by yourself and that's exciting. I'll give another example. Everett's at that age where he wants to do a lot independently, including refill his water. And we are very thankful that he has learned to do it very well, but we went right through that process. First, he watched Mel do it. Now he wants to get the chair. He wants to get up there and he's, let me do it. I can do it. Okay. Just let me do it this once. Let me show you exactly. And if you really focus, then it's your turn next. So really dial it in and you use that language. And so you fill the filtered water and you get the ice cube and put it in. You put the top on, show them which way to turn it. Okay. And then the next time, all right, Ev, it's your turn. Do exactly what you saw me do and I'll, I'm here to help you. And you go through the process and then you go through the process again if there's any tweaks. You go through the process again if there's any tweaks, but he's pushing his stool over. He's showing that he's creative and get to the heights of a taller person and figure out some of the things himself. And you appreciate and you compliment those things, but you don't undermine it by saying, oh, no, just let me do it. I can do it faster. Subconsciously, that's telling them that you are better than them. And yeah, okay, maybe you can do things better than a five-year-old, but that's not the goal of parenting. The parent, the goal of parenting is to raise them so, so that they can do it one day better than you could ever do it at your age. And you have to lean into the process. And this is the exact process that you can use. Yeah, we want them to be capable and trust in themselves that they can do things. So just like the ice example, I do sometimes like internally cringe because the ice will fall out and now it's on the floor and now we have an, a mess that wouldn't have been there if I had just done it. But I recognize in my mind, because I know the process and I know the magic of if doing it correctly, that I just have to suck it up and just pick up the ice. And then you, like I said in the previous episode, you can always look at it as an opportunity. Okay, it didn't work great this time. I'm not going to yell at you and say, see, I should have done it. I'm going to say, okay, now we made a mess, so let's clean this up together. So it's always an opportunity that things are going to be messy. Things are going to sometimes spill or whatever the case may be. And I really think it's just a matter of patience. Think about how you would teach a child to drive. So we'll do something more than just small kitchen items or small household items. You probably won't, hopefully shouldn't, hopefully don't give them the keys and say, all right, let's see what you got. <laughs> You go show them a maneuver. Hey, look what I'm doing here with my foot. Look what I'm doing with my hands. Even though they've been in a car before, there's some nuances that they, they probably haven't appreciated because they haven't been explained to them yet. 
and you do the maneuver. You do the maneuver again. You do the maneuver again. It's very common to do it in a parking lot, so there's less stress, less cars around, no traffic, and you just do the maneuver again. You do. They watch and they watch, and then you say, okay, let's do this one thing, and you watch them. They probably don't get it right the first time because they're going to be too rough on the brake, and you're going to be herky-jerky around your seat because they haven't had a feel for it. You don't swoop in and say, oh, no, move, get back in the passenger seat. I can do it better. You say, okay, no, we got to do it again. And you sit there with them as they drive around the parking lot. And they try to park in that one space again. All right, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And you do that over and over again. It's a longer process because it's more complicated before they can ever do it independently. It's months long. And so it's just not an acute situation. This is the game plan you have for even bigger things in life. Another example is our, our oldest is learning a new sport. He's never played before. And again, it's a matter of, sometimes you don't want to throw too much at them. You have to see what it, where's the kid at? What do they want to learn? And sometimes it will take a few more thinking or planning before teaching that skill. Like the filling the ice cup is like simple, super simple, but learning something like football, like there's many steps to that. And I think it's important to plan ahead and remain patient and see where the kid is at because you don't want to turn them off from wanting to learn it. I could see if somebody got really angry while you were teaching them to drive, they might just throw their hands in the air and say, forget it. So we want to make sure that we keep in mind that as we're teaching something, gauge where the kid's at. Are they still in this mode of wanting to learn? Are they starting to get turned off? And we might have to pull back a little bit. Yep, you can picture this in your head. It, your child's holding uh, a tennis ball. And like that is the new idea. And they can hold it and they can grasp it firmly and they can understand the process. And then, okay, let's also do this and give a second one. And they can hold that and they can grasp it and they can learn. Now they got two and then you give them a third and maybe they can balance that third idea in between. But now you give them a fourth and fifth and now they have an arm. Eventually they're all going to get dropped. And so you have to keep that in your mind as you see them reach frustration, maybe metaphorically grab one of those tennis balls, pull it back and, and lean into the ones that they already have a good grasp on. And so keep that in mind as a way to, to, to think through the process. You're not tossing a ton at them because they won't be able to catch it after a while. And one final example, Everett is learning, he's reviewing how to write and starting to learn how to read. And he brought these cute books home that have the first sight word of I, and he's super excited about it. So we sit down and we read through it. And then maybe the second time, halfway through, he's getting a little frustrated. Now, part of me might be like, let's just finish it. Let's just finish it. But then I recognize if I put too much pressure on him at this like really important moment, he might not want to keep reading this. He might not want to do this with me. So that's just that important, like gauge where you're at. Why is it important for us to finish this whole book? Big deal, right? Like we'll do it another time. So just keeping in mind that we don't necessarily have to finish it to the, usually plans don't quite go as you hope that they will anyway. So if my idea was finish the whole book, his idea is halfway through, he's frustrated. Okay. Realize that we're learning a new skill, pull back and try again later. It's a good way of doing it. Instead of just quitting, it's to try again later. All right, Mel, I want to get hiking with Everett. We got some big plans today, but we did want to sit down and chat with you a little bit first. If you've enjoyed the episode and you find that learning strategy helpful, visit us over on iTunes, give us a review. We really appreciate, especially the written ones. They really help as we start climbing the charts and able to reach more families. We really need your help with that. And we also have a gift for you at strongfamilyproject.com. It's the strong family path or seven elements of how to intentionally raise a family take those elements apply them to you and your preferences in your unique family and that's all for you free at strongfamilyproject.com we'll catch you in the next episode